this is Tiffany, your host, and you're listening to That So Sustainable podcast, where we discuss all the latest trends, topics, and trademarks of the sustainable cosmetic department. Today, we're discussing edible beauty and are joined by special guest Elizabeth Middleton on the show. Elizabeth and I, we met three years ago, and I remember noticing her flawless skincare routine. Her makeup was always just on point, and she's consistently the one in our friend group um, and just with everyone um, who's trying new products and doing everyone's makeup for their special events. Um, and recently, I, I always knew that she was a lover of all things beauty, but I also discovered recently, I'd love for her to talk more about this too, is she's kind of a hoarder of <laughs> these products. <laughs> Please, like, would you call yourself a hoarder? How would you walk us through it? Take us there. <laughs> I, I love beauty products, like you said, and I love mm-hmm. trying new stuff out. Um, and I love keeping like a consistent routine, but I hate seeing things end I hate like books ending I hate movies mm-hmm. ending I often find myself stopping like five pages five minutes after, before the movie's over because I don't want it to end no. <laughs> if you look at my Netflix you're like why is she watching 18 things I'm not <laughs> I almost watched 18 things anyway but with beauty products it just makes me sad that it's over so I probably use like 95% of it then I leave 5% and you can see my little um totally my little I don't know what you call that but a lot of that is like it's used but not finished so mm-hmm. yeah I just like I just hate to see products go and then a lot of them are also under my sink but I'm working on it and one of my friends was like you could just make a notes app of the products that you use so you don't forget because that's what the excuse mm-hmm. I was saying I was like well I am just keeping them so that I remember what I like next time I go buy some she's like you can just take a picture of it and put it in a notes app I was like Oh, also that was seven months ago. So, <laughs> we're beginning of school year and I haven't done it. All the products are still in there. But the That's exterior funny. is clean, just not the nooks and crannies. How often would you say, like, you go under the sink to, like, look for mm. a product? Like, does that ever happen? Um, it happens when I need medicine and then I go in there I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this product. Mm. I should use it. And then I open it and I realize it's almost done. I'm like, well, I'm going to save it for a special occasion. Mm. And then I don't see it again for three weeks. Mm. So <laughs> not often. <laughs> so it's a graveyard. For- yeah, it's a graveyard of my loves. <laughs> Her beauty products. Mm-hmm. Um, well, speaking of beauty products, um, Specifically, we'll go into kind of skincare things because that's what we're talking about today. Um, but are there any brands or specific products that you just love, maybe from a particular brand or not? Um, just your faves. Hit us with what you've been loving recently. Yes, I I love Beauty Counter and I love Merit Beauty. And um, Beauty Counter has banned, I think it's like almost almost like a hundred thousand ingredients. They have an ingredients list of things that they will never use in their products because Mm. they're literally proven to be carcinogens. And it just shocks me that they would even like other companies would even include them if they know they cause cancer, Mm. but it's just cheaper to not, to just use those products anyway. Um, but they call it the never list and there's, Oh, it's, Wait, it's not a hundred thousand. It's um, it's like twenty eight hundred. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. A million twenty eight hundred. Don't put me on this analytics job, please. But um, they just have banned like those thousands of chemicals. Yeah, and then Merit Beauty is a super 
they're also clean, but I haven't really researched them in depth to see if they're actually clean because a lot of companies can put that they're clean or sustainable, but it's really just a marketing mm-hmm. scheme mm-hmm. and it works because I bought it and I continue to buy them. And now some of my friends have gotten the products for Christmas because they've seen <laughs> them. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's from the name, but is it a clean name? I'm not sure, but I guess I'll research it later to figure it out. But I would be sad if it, if it wasn't. Yeah. 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 I think it's interesting. I feel like a lot of our listeners, they just love, um, they want to know what to look for in their mm-hmm. products, but they also probably don't know what to not look for. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So are there any products or just ingredients that you would say, this is something to kind of keep an eye out for? Like this is not true or this is really harmful. Yeah. I would say fenazenthal is, it's like a preservative and it just prolongs the shelf life. And it's in everything from like moisturizers to lotions to facial products to makeup. And it's like kind of counterintuitive in my opinion, because it makes it sit on your shelf for longer. So you, which is, you think it would be a good thing, but then that means you don't go back to the company and buy it as frequently. Mm -hmm. So wouldn't you want to put your product like make your customers keep coming back faster. But then that would mean that your product size would have to decrease. And I'm sure that would be a supply chain nightmare mm-hmm. to have to ship something somewhere more like faster, if that makes sense, like give yeah. companies refills faster. But I mean, if they really wanted to help us, they would do that, but they don't. It's just more about the money. So let us put Fenazenthal in there and we're all going to sell the awful benefits in probably hmm. a few decades. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, that probably helps you out with their... I mean, people don't want to go back and buy mm-hmm. over and over again. They're like, it's too much money. Yeah. And it just... It probably goes back to the time thing. Like, people just don't have enough time to go back to the store, like a Sephora or whatever, frequently enough. I mean, I guess you could online shop, but I like going in there and trying different things and seeing the colors and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Just seeing that if it works and it looks good. Yeah, it's like my version of Coco Melon. <laughs> That's <laughs> shopping. Um, well, uh, what we're going to talk about today specifically is this new wave um, where beauty products are edible. Um, and so the phrase that's been the kind of the catchphrase of this new wave is called, is food for your skin. Um, essentially the concept being whatever you spray on your body or put on your face is essentially you equating that to you drinking it or just consuming it in general. Um, and so this one company really pioneered it. It's called Edible Beauty and it's located in Australia. Um, and this has been covered by a lot of pretty well-known um, magazines like Vogue Business, Cosmopolitan, and the Sunday Guardian all covered this topic the past month. Cosmopolitan was saying basically it's like having a ginger shot in the morning used to be the pinnacle of health. Mm-hmm. But lately people are s- swapping that for a face serum. Um, and they said, that's right. Edible skincare is the newest fad that claims to leave you with an, an enviable glass-like complexion. Mm-hmm. Um so just kind of a background on this company too. Um, their founder, her name is Anna Mitosis. Um, and she was actually diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was 18 years old. Um, she became a nutritionist. She was frustrated with the lack of safe, clean skincare options for pregnant women. Um, and then she just created products that have food-grade ingredients, um, vitamins, herbs, nourishing oils. Um, she claims that edible beauty formulas are literally so pure you could eat them. Um, and so she used collagen and things for gut repair, liver ha- care, hair strengthening. Um, her goal is just holistic beauty to become more mainstream. 
um, and to transform your skin and your body just from the inside out. Um, so some of her keywords on her website were like organic, 100% vegan, cruelty-free. She talks about the sustainable side of her packaging. She uses a different kind of paper, containers that are recyclable, um, and then also are biodegradable. Um, so there's a lot there for sure. She uses food ingredients like vinegar, mayonnaise, cooking oils, not just like things that are chemicals, but like real food, fruits, veggies, chocolate, juice, caviar. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> Um, so first we can just talk about if anything sticks out to you with mm-hmm. her background of her being 18, diabetes, pregnant women, does any of that stick out to you of, okay, yes, that, that's interesting. For sure. Um, about pregnant women, because I mean, not that I've experienced being pregnant and having, but I know that my aunts and people that I know that have been pregnant, like when they're searching for products, it's really hard. And I know it's like already overwhelming that you're absorbing all this new information about like having a real baby growing inside of you, but also yeah. like you're having to manage that as well as what you're putting on yourself and that what you're going to be putting on your future baby. And so it's like, mm. probably must be really nerve wracking. So that's awesome that she started a company that can take more pressure off new moms yeah that's mm-hmm. so true I feel like I remember my mom talking about how much she was researching yeah. for better or for worse for uh-huh. sure um just wanted to own things and even specifically she uses one like moisturizer mm-hmm. I don't know if it was for pregnant women or just it might have been I don't know but it was like a grape moisturizer like she uses grape for all these different things like visibility of aging supposed to delay that you're supposed to like combine honey yogurt and grape juice and put on your face for 20 minutes Mm. and it moisturizes the skin have you done anything like that i've done yogurt and green tea and honey before because those are all like moisturizing ingredients but it's interesting because I feel like yogurt is always supposed to be so calming. But then I feel like whenever you hear people who struggle with floating, they're like, it's dairy. But it's mm. actually because the process that they use to refine dairy, they take out the lactase and it's just lactose. So people are like, I'm lactose intolerant. And it's like, well, everybody mm. is technically, but it because of the refining process that they do now, like because of mass production of dairy, it takes out the lactose so that's why a lot of people drink raw milk now if you've seen that trend interesting yeah but it's like now they're wanting us to put it on our face and it's it's just i don't know it seems contradictory (laughs) but i'm like i but when i did it i i didn't notice anything like crazy but i only did it like a few times so i'm sure with like repetition and routine i would probably notice a difference Mm. yeah that makes sense. It sounds intriguing, especially with the grape, because grapes are like mostly water. So that makes True. sense. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would be hydrating. Yeah. You're essentially putting water in your face. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, kind of speaking of that, of, of patterns, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like this will be like a trend or do you think, I mean, this will last for a long time? Like if it needs to be a pattern for us to see that edible mm-hmm. beauty will be a real thing or do you think it'll fade out in the next year or so? I could see it going either way. I think if it, I think if it goes on TikTok and our generation gets a hold of it, it'll just be a marketing competition for who can be the loudest because that's what it is right now. It's mm. just trying to make everybody need something like, oh, you need this bathing suit, you need this beauty product, you need this whatever to look a certain way. But I think if it becomes like a household name and they tailor the native ingredients to each continent or country or whatever, then I think it could be transformational Hmm. for sure. And be like a, a long-term thing and not just like a trend. Hmm. That's my opinion. And that makes sense. You think that'll, I mean, that could last then in America if we learn how to 
process it well yeah. and be consistent with it. Mm-hmm. I could see that for sure. Um, and also just, I mean, do you think, who do you think their biggest demographic will end up being? Um, it could be age or just different things like that. Who are they targeting? Would you say? Definitely women, probably women our age mm-hmm. who are trying to find routines for like the rest of our life and trying to try new products, stuff like that. Um, and then probably like middle-aged women, maybe like empty nesters with, or kids and women with kids in college or high school, stuff like that is what I would say. I think those are the people that we often buy similar things, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it goes back to like learning and marketing classes, like mm-hmm. the early adapters, like they're yes. the ones that like, they'll try all the trends and if it can get to the next demographic of people, then mm-hmm. it'll land. But I totally feel that with like my mom, like when she, she's an empty nester. Mm-hmm. So she's like on her phone, just like looking at like, Oh, this is like a new ad that I saw on mm-hmm. Facebook. <laughs> she, I guess she has more time and she just is really interested in it. Yeah. So I could see like her age group doing that more for sure. And our age group too. Mm-hmm. Like we're always like, how can we like, what's the improve? To what's the next step? Like, let's get this better. Yeah. And my mom does the same thing on like Instagram. She'll send me like Instagram reels of like cooking recipes or like mm. just stuff like that or like improvements I can make to my closet. And I'm like, you want to buy that for me? I'm like, <laughs> I would love the organizer if you want to get it. Yeah, if you're fan. <laughs> yeah. I call it sponsoring. Oh, <laughs> like, you that's so this? good. That's random. Um, <laughs> but I also wonder, I mean, that makes me think of like social media. Like that's mm-hmm. so big with our generation. If I don't know what, how you think that will, if it makes it a social media, maybe even what social media, if you were like their company, mm-hmm. what platform would you use? How would you market this to consumers? I would probably do some, I think it's called exploratory marketing where you do maybe like a, you do different ads on different on different platforms because maybe you don't have enough money to do like a full on marketing thing. Like if they want to do research, I'm sure that'd be awesome. But if not, I think it could be cool to just market things in different ways and Mm -hmm. maybe even have like almost not different logos, but different aesthetics because people nowadays, in my opinion, really shop for aesthetics. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And results, I would say, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) <laughs> do you think that's like more of a thing is people look for the aesthetic more than they do the ingredients I would say it it really couple like if there are two beauty products and they both don't have fen- fen- fenazenthal in it and they're both organic and one is gold and one is turquoise blue with ribbing on the like grab nozzle whatever mm-hmm. I'm gonna get the gold one I'm for gonna sure. get the one that looks nicer <laughs> yeah. and so because there's so many companies like all competing for the same spot I'm like dude you gotta make your products look nice but you also have to know your consumer like some people like like that like colorful fun bubbly like drunk elephant is super like colorful but now they're morphing towards like more simplistic I would say in my opinion like more simplistic like neutral-ish colors and like yeah versus I don't know like products from like the 80s or 90s like it's so whatever I know it's kind of obvious like trends change but I don't know I think it really matters how you make your products look if there's so many others in the lineup and they mm. all pretty much do the same thing yeah and like where is it on the shelf like that matters so you know true I mean? that never even like crossed my mind until yeah the marketing marketing class three coffee one day I was like in a true climb yeah I totally I feel that too um and we're just to start wrapping up here um but I just wanted to know just kind of last question um is do you think that this is going to be 
a necessary thing? Is this like our world at large? Like, are we going to start needing to go more to edible beauty? Or do you think, I don't know, we've been fine and we don't need to spend a lot of money and resources on trying to make things that were originally makeup, makeup, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you think this is going to be needed in our world? Um, I think it's definitely needed. I think, unfortunately, when it comes to things that are like organic or sustainable, they're usually higher priced because mm -hmm. it it takes a lot more research and tools sometimes. It just takes more resources to make things simpler, which sounds dumb because it is dumb because they made sustainability <laughs> after they, it's like when they made plastic to reduce paper. Yeah. And now people are like, I use paper bag, I'm better than you. No, you're not. The reason we use plastic is to reduce paper. Get a reusable bag and just use the same one. Don't look at me like that in the grocery store. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. but I think it could definitely become really necessary, but I think, it probably will come towards higher income people first. And that's how I feel like usually like organic sustainable things work. It's just like sad. It usually goes to higher income family, middle income. And then it, if it's like a really necessity, like it'll work its way to lower income. But it's like, I wish everybody could have access to mm -hmm. good clean ingredients um, without a high price tag. Cause we can't all spend Right. X amount of money. But some of us can afford to. And that's awesome. But I wish we could figure out a way to make like sustainability and organic the norm where it wouldn't even have to say organic. We would just know. And that's how it is in other countries. And like, yeah, you can so look true. at the ingredients of like ketchup and like Switzerland versus America. I was just looking at it the other day and it's like ours includes two different strands of high fructose corn syrup and theirs doesn't. And they both come from Heinz, mm -hmm. but they just don't put it in the Switzerland one. They put it in the American one. Like why? Mm -hmm. It's just interesting stuff like that. That it's, is so interesting. Right? It is like that for so many products. It's confusing, but it all goes down to money yeah. and consumerism. And yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. So it'll take a, a little while until yeah. everyone's able to experience mm -hmm. it and have the means to pay for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's awesome. Just to, um, we'll start moving into our recap. Um, but let's see what what, what about we talk about. We talked about <laughs> pregnant women, pregnant products, <laughs> and food, beauty. How Elizabeth is a hoarder. Yes. <laughs> oh, we can just look under my sink after this. Maybe yeah. throw some stuff away. Minimal. That can be the cover. <laughs> yeah. This podcast is like Elizabeth's thing. Like right New York. I'm crying. Yeah. I'm mourning. <laughs> um, yeah. So we talked about sustainable and just the and organic. What does organic really mean? Mm -hmm. We talked about. Um, what to look for and what to not look for yeah. on the shelf, even where to look on the shelf, mm -hmm. what level, mm -hmm. um, just how, just, I'm not sure if that's a word, but well, yeah, um, aesthetics play into, yeah. mm -hmm. um, into purchasing decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, also just the world at a whole when, you know, the trend or lifestyle will take place. Mm -hmm. Um, and also the impact on different countries and just to really bring it all together. Um, just the company that really is pioneering and piloting this new uh -huh. <laughs> wave um, in edible beauty uh, Australia. So shout out to them. Um, but just want to also say thank you so much um, to all of our listeners for um, tuning in to That So Sustainable podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to our conversation about edible beauty and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, you're having me, dog. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to That's a Sustainable Podcast. 
I really enjoyed my conversation today with Elizabeth and hope that you come back to this next week to talk more about different topics that can affect and enhance our sustainable beauty habits. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.